Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo, because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday. Uh, We are recording this uh, also on June 1st. So my guess is the world is still burning. Everybody is still (laughs) sick. And um, racism runs rampant. Yep. Yeah. I think that's... Yep. Yep. And how apropos to start this episode with some predictions of my own. (laughs) So full disclosure, this is our second episode in a row that we're recording today. So feeling a little punchier. Well, I I don't know if it's punchier. I feel like uh maybe I've I've had the moment of uh sadness and now I'm angry. Right? We're oh. we're just going to go through the the full range of emotions by the end of this episode. Okay. <laughs> well, welcome. All you listeners. <laughs> I was going to say, is to that this, for me or for the listeners? No, no, no. <laughs> to the listeners, to this journey that they have embarked on with us. Um, we are doing today's episode on predictions. This is part two. <laughs> this is the original episode Brittany wanted to record and I hijacked. <laughs> yeah. Before Nia decided to read an email from Forbes <laughs> For the entire episode. <laughs> you know, the way no, you said it, it there made it sound like the most boring podcast ever. <laughs> it was great. I enjoyed it. And we're going to do more of that. I, I really like, uh, yeah, I like reading uh, what's been put out there and I don't know. I've got nothing. Uh, I don't know. I was blabbering about how we're going to do that again sometime. And then I couldn't think of what doing that is like (laughs) reading predictions or reading email lists, looking at Forbes, (laughs) looking at Forbes, totally not following our episode plan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Brittany, could you remind me and our listeners, what was your vision for today's discussion? (laughs) Well, my original vision um, was to discuss how we are supposed to be predicting the future during such an unpredictable time and the stress that I have seen personally um, among my coworkers and colleagues of how to do that, whether it's from budgeting and putting together forecasts for your board to writing grants and, you know, your whole narrative that you originally started at the beginning of the year is now out the window because everything's changed, but you're not really sure how long it's going to stay changed or what further changes there might be, but yet you still have to report on, you know, your logic models for these new rapid changes. Um, So that's what I want to talk about. Oh, sure. Well, go ahead. So, um, I mean, that was basically it. I I have nothing really more to add. Well, I mean, we could just like jump in. 
Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Budgets. So. Budgets. Particularly if you run on a calendar fiscal year, you're kind of fucked. Like, <laughs> who knows what's <laughs> happening? To be clear, you're fucked from a budgetary perspective. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we normally at my organization do a mid-year kind of reforecasting, right? Mm-hmm. So that's already part of our practice, our normal practice, mm-hmm. pandemic or no pandemic. But now that we've got uh, changing of program, like drastic changing of programs, complete unknowns. I mean, one of our program fees runs on a daycare center. Well, we can't predict how many families are going to be comfortable, what the environment is going to look like come the fall. Um, Is there a second wave? Isn't there a second wave? Should we budget for 50% capacity, 25% capacity, 75% capacity? And all of those have major impacts on our budget. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it can be maddening trying to create projection after projection after projection when nobody really knows. Yeah. So -hmm. how do you plan for it? You, you don't? No, that, that's not the answer. Uh, <laughs> well, I think it's interesting too. Um, you know, we've got some large institutions here in Colorado and I know a lot of folks are looking to them as, I don't know, like examples of what should happen, whether it's a, um, a large company, a school district, et cetera. Um, and so CU Boulder, University of Colorado Boulder just came out with their plan for the fall. And they are going to in-person classes, but, you know, smaller class size, reducing a lot of potential ways for people to interact, still figuring out, like, cafeteria situation, how that's going to work. But then students aren't coming back after Thanksgiving, right? Like, everything goes remote after Thanksgiving for the rest of the semester. And so I've had conversations with clients over the last week who are like, okay, if CU Boulder is doing that, we've got to do that. And, you know, they, they must have the... Uh, what are the balls called? With the-, the crystal ball? Yes, crystal ball. <laughs> or magic eight ball? <laughs> yeah, one of those. Like, CU Boulder knows the answer, so we must follow them. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, I think it's good planning, right? Like, it's sound. It makes sense. And who knows if they'll even make it to Thanksgiving, right? Like, I'm sure that right. they also realize that it could be fall break and everybody stays at home. Who knows? That's so true. Um, and I'm sure... Yeah. I mean, their budget is very closely tied, obviously, to the number of students who attend. So I know recruitment is big for them. Um, But I guess that for me, you know, for a smaller organization, CU is this mammoth organization. But for these smaller organizations, human services organizations, I think for me, it's just a call out just to raise awareness, particularly for boards. I mean, hopefully you have a a good enough relationship with your board and your leadership between your board and your leadership that it's a trusting relationship. But um, just like we talked about in uh, our last episode with kind of the breakdown of culture within organizations, this is a really, uh, what do I want to say? It's a, it's a time where if you don't have that trust already, it's going to make this time even harder. Yeah, well, and, you know, neither of us are psychologists, but I think it's safe to say that 
the way that... Um, I took a psychology class in college. I mean, so did so. I. I passed. All right. There we go. Psychologist. Check. Um, to all the psychologists out there, we're so sorry. We do not believe that we can totally do your job kidding. without any additional training. I don't training. know how. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think it's safe to say without actually having those degrees that, uh, the way that the pandemic is impacting people, um, is pretty profound and I'm certainly seeing it in their, um, kind of their, their risk tolerance, so a board member who would have been a bit more laissez-faire, whatever happens, happens, is now like, I need 14 scenarios. Lay it out for me. What could happen? Right? Like, it's just amping certain characteristics of people up. Um, yeah. And it's not necessarily helpful, quite frankly, because uh, who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? Right. And the strain that it puts on your finance department to try to run those numbers over and over and over again. I mean, personally, that's my hell. I, there's no way I accounting. No. When I see the auditors come, I'm like, that is a job that I'm so glad you want because I can't do that job and I don't want that job. (laughs) So I have a lot of empathy for what I'm imagining it takes to put those scenarios together that are changing daily. Now you just plug a formula in. (laughs) That is what I did to the client who wanted a ton of scenarios. Just like, okay, here's a 10% reduction, 25% reduction, 50% reduction, 75% reduction. (laughs) Like, I I mean, of course, there are like additional nuances and we can look at economic progress reports and like all these little indicators. But at the end of the day, there are so many variables, especially in fundraising, that will impact whether or not a donor steps up. And so many of them are entirely out of your control. Right, like I always go back to donors are very emotional in their decision making. So when they buy a stock, they might look through the um, the profile of the company. They're going to read annual reports, this, that, and the other. When they give to a nonprofit, especially their initial gift, it is it's because something touched them. Right, they just they right. felt called to. Similarly, the reason they don't give can be just as whimsical. Oh, that organization's name rhymes with this bad thing that's happening. Therefore, I'm not going to give them money. Like there's so, so, so many things that can impact a donor's giving. And I think predicting in a moment of extreme volatility like this isn't very helpful, right? Like we know what our traditional models would say, but I think that's probably still the best thing we can rely on. But if you're an organization that is in, um, the in such a a, a place of what are, gosh the words are not flowing today but if, if you're in the fortunate place of having a healthy reserve that's what this is for right yeah so there's also this thing of like okay we could predict till we turn blue but is it necessary because we're going to be okay exactly and letting go of whatever your initial Whatever your initial budget was, okay? So if you've been budgeting in the red for the last couple of years and you were so excited because this year was the first year you're going to budget in the black and now you're wanting to like hold on to that, well, you got to let it go. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And you could still make great choices and you can still um, 
pat yourself on the back for the progress that you've made over the last couple of years. And, but this is a, this is a unique year, you know, and it might change everything moving forward for your organization. Yeah. So I guess I, the point of me bringing this up in this episode today is draw awareness to it because I know my staff's feeling it. I know I'm feeling it. We have very supportive leadership. That's great a supportive board, but I just want people to know that you, you can't shoulder that burden of trying to predict a future that's unpredictable. Yeah. I mean, it's always unpredictable, but now it's really unpredictable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, I, I know I've been a bit cavalier thus far this episode in the last 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, like, I, I, uh, I chair the membership team for, um, a professional organization, um, where a lot of our revenue is based in membership. And so I was asked to do some scenario planning by our board chair, um, for the full board to review along with me. Um, and so it was interesting to go out and see like, okay, what are the indicators that would impact this? Um, what data sources do we have to look at? So like, um, I went out to membership in 0809. Like what happened there when our nonprofit organizations certainly took a hit? Did they cut this membership? And of course they did. Like it basically just validated what we all knew. Um, and then we like put out a survey to folks. Um, how likely are you to renew your membership this year? What would help? Yada, yada. Um, and we saw like a 25% respondents saying that it's really unknown, right? Like it's, it's also out of their hands. It's up to their board and their CEO and folks to decide if they can still afford those kinds of things. And so with, with all of that, you know, I could kind of go back to the board and be like, here are some, some ideas of where we're going to be. But at the end of the day, what you need to know, what you need to sit with is membership will be down and it'll be down into next year as well. Right? Like this doesn't end you know, when, when the stay at home orders are lifted or, or whatever, like that there will be long impacts to nonprofits. And so therefore our membership will be impacted into 2021. Who knows? Even in 2022, we don't know. But it, what was really great about that discussion was the full board being like, yep, just let us know how it's progressing. Right. Like they all had just such a good understanding and they all work in nonprofits. So they get it. They've been through those budget discussions, but I didn't. Could you imagine that a board made up of all (laughs) nonprofit professionals? That sounds dreamy. You know, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Oh, I bet. I bet. Because like we all, we all know it. So like those kind of conversations are so great because there was no pressure of like, well, Nia, what are you doing to ensure membership? Right. It was like, yep, just keep doing what you're doing. Let us know so that we can keep planning. Um, but then there's also, I mean, everybody works in nonprofits and <laughs> like, like there's no big, like, um, Hey guys, we have a, a budget re- constraint. Can everybody pitch in? Like, uh, you want like my Starbucks money for the day? <laughs> <laughs> right. But anyway, I mean, the whole point of that story was that having a board that looks at whatever projection you have and says, yep, and we get that this is not final, this is not the end-all be-all, and we're okay with that, is really what's necessary right now. Sure. I mean, I'm all about doing your due diligence to collect the information, right? But once all the information has been collected and you're down to the variables that are variable, that are just going to be constantly changing, then 
that's when you have to say, all right, we, we know as much as we are going to know in this moment. Yep. And we're going to make decisions based off that. And this could change. And we need to be okay with that and be flexible. And recognize that no matter what, we're probably not going to end the year where we thought we were when we started the year. Yeah, most assuredly. Some are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for certain. Um, you know, some organizations are doing incredibly well um, on the funding side. But, I, you know, I think no matter what, there's probably some area of the organization that is not where it was anticipated at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I think, was helpful in terms of our discussions with our board. But can we talk about funders? Ugh. Let's talk about funders. <laughs> yeah. So that's the other stress, right, is that there's been... On one hand, you know, we're really happy that there is these new opportunities for funding that are popping up. Um, but on the other hand, they're asking for information and potentially reporting down the road on stuff that, again, we are making best guess at with what we know today. Yeah. And then we're going to hit submit. Yeah. And then one week later, that could totally change. Oh, Totally. Well, I think it's interesting because you've got like these COVID response funds where we're saying, here's how we're upending our programs. Here's what we're doing that's new or different. Here's how we're meeting the need. That could change on a dime. But then you've got all of our regular funders. I mean, I'm thinking about a specific funder who, Brittany, I know you're familiar with, uh, who we applied to back in January. I mean, totally different world back in January. Um, we all just found out in May that we got funded, you think any of us are going to hit our initial goals that we set forth by the end of this year? Fuck no. Exactly. No. Not even close. And I'll be really interested to see how this funder addresses that. Um, because as of right now, I have not seen uh, any kind of concerted effort in reaching out to nonprofits or in any kind of language around how they are kind of perceiving that shift. Well, I'd almost rather, I mean, this kind of ties back into the budget, I'd almost rather them just say, submit the budget that you created at the beginning of the year and then list all the areas where you might take a hit or where this might not end up where you want. Because what by them not only asking for program statistics that may or may not happen, but also asking for a new budget. Well, what's your new budget look like now? And it's like, well, I don't really know. Yeah. You know, I... We don't know yet, but what I can tell you is that, you know, in the budget that we created in January, this line item has taken this hit because of X, Y, and Z. This line item has taken this hit because of X, Y, and Z. It could be in this range. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so hard. And I think the funders that truly want to partner with nonprofits right now are going to realize that and address it. I just wish they would do it on the front end or do it now. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Say, hey, we recognize that this is going to be a moving target. Give us, you know, your best estimate of like what your plan is. If that plan doesn't happen, don't worry about it. Just keep in contact with us or, you know, recognize that when we ask for a report at the end of this, if your numbers don't match what was originally on the grant, that's okay too. We just want to know what happened. Like, tell us the story. Yeah, actually, I have seen one funder do that pretty well. So 
um, renewal apps were due in January. And so, of course, you include a report, but it, um, the grant time hadn't finished. So it was, you know, nine months into the grant cycle or whatever. Um, and they came out right away in March. And they were like, hey, we know this is hard. We're sending another 5K. Wish it could be more. Do with it what you need to do. Keep going. And then, you know, the final report was due um, just this last month. And they were so good about being like, we recognize that things have been upended. You probably closed for a couple months. Um, just give us an update about what happened. Um, and and we thank you. And that I think that's really what we want to see. Um, I, I am worried, genuinely worried, that we will have a number of um, funders, especially ones who give smaller grants, asking for the revised budget, revised narrative, all of these things mid-year. Um, and really creating a burden for organizations. So anything we can do to avoid that would be awesome. Well, I don't know if you've heard this from your clients, but you know we're also trying to, in all this pivoting to new programming, we also need to consider how we are collecting our data oh. and now what we're using um, to track to track our programming because it's changed. Oh, okay. So for example, you know, we have a, we have a program where we go into elementary schools and we have volunteers and this is a, a high touch program. And so usually we're in many, many schools throughout the year. Well, now we're talking about how we could potentially switch that to virtual And so what does that look like? Well, now are we still tracking schools? Are we tracking kids that are in the classrooms? The volunteers will probably look different. There won't be as many volunteers because there won't be that in-person piece. And so now what are our new metrics? You know, what are, what are we with this new type of program? What metrics or what data do we need to be collecting to illustrate impact? Mm, Yeah, that's important. And we're kind of have to, kind of doing that on the fly oh yeah you know? absolutely mm-hmm. yeah one of my clients that one of their key metrics was um you know like clients doing drop-in visits to get access to resources um and and so they were really great about immediately pivoting to zoom and you know phone calls but nobody was recording it like they had such a great mm-hmm. system of you know somebody comes to the front desk check you know we got another one um, but nobody thought to record those. And so, yeah, I mean, it's so simple and yet so important because that's going to be the new metric that we're reporting on. Right. And those processes, we know how important it is to have those processes in place mm-hmm. so that you're catching all that information and you're totally. not trying to backtrack. Yeah. Yeah. So are we taking the time as we're rushing to change things and continue to serve people in the community and let's make sure that, you know, we're still serving our clients, but wait a minute, let's take a second and let's look at what we should be tracking and how we're going to track it so that down the road we have the information that we need. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the takeaway there, it's not just about predictions, but it's about how are we collecting data that validates those hypotheses? Exactly. Yep. Yep. Okay, so what are our takeaways? Any others? Um, 
Nope. <laughs> <laughs> My mind just went so blank. We are definitely into the lunch hour. And, uh, You're definitely in the lunch hour. I need yes. some carbs. Um, you know, I think it is important, once again, to wrap up by saying Black Lives Matter. Like, the, these fights, I'm quite sure two weeks from now when this episode drops, these will still be um, very much going on um, and very much top of mind, hopefully. Um, these conversations are continuing. And uh, let's keep working to dismantle white supremacy in nonprofits. Amen. And how can people reach out to us? Yeah, I'd rather they not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, they can find us on socials, Facebook, Instagram, Nonprofit Reframe. Um, they can email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. And right now, if you have the capacity, we know that, what, 40 million people are now out of jobs, something like that. I mean, it's insane. So recognizing that this is um, a very difficult time for a lot of people. But you know what? There's still a lot of people that even with a pandemic and market crashing and people being out of jobs that doesn't affect their bank account nearly as much. And so for those people, if you have the capacity, please give now, support your local nonprofits, and give generously. And consider giving to one of the 20% of nonprofits nationwide that is actually led by a person of color. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much, and we'll catch you next time. Catch you on the flippity flop. I can't believe it just said that. <laughs> We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.